0: Most of us, when we uh, read Psalm 40, we can uh, look at the words and admire the depth of thought and faith that are conveyed in the phrases in that psalm. It's a powerful psalm. I think it's one of my favorite psalms. But, but who among us can say with any candor that I waited patiently for the Lord? When I thought about that phrase, really spent some time thinking about it and reflecting on it, you know, I, I asked the question, when have I ever waited for anything without some level of frustration and anxiety? It'd be hard for me to to write that phrase like David did. You know, we wait in line at the store. We uh, wait for things to get better. Uh, we wait in the waiting room. Uh, but we generally as a culture are no good at waiting. That's just usually the way it is. We want to get moving. We can't bear to uh, watch uh, time wasted and, and the clock is ticking while we're we're just not sure what's going to unfold next. And so, you know, we don't like waiting. Patience is one of the, the fruit that Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit. And as I think about that, I think, you know, uh, if patience is a fruit of the Spirit, it must be for someone somewhere, but but not for me. I haven't gotten there yet where I could say it's definitely a fruit of the Spirit. You know, I, I'm more patient than I used to be, but by no means if you ask me what's the kind of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit that I have, really worked at the best and kind of owned uh, the most, I couldn't put patience at the top of that list. The psalmist, when he writes this, and he says he's waited, he waited on the Lord patiently, he writes it in an experience where he's, he's describing a pit in his life. I think, wow, that's amazing that he would wait so patiently while he's in this desperate, ugly pit. My experience, personally, or when I've observed others, is that so often while we're in the pit, instead of waiting patiently, we lose our life song in that pit? The pressures of life, the pressures of family, uh, problems, or the pressure of sickness tend to snatch our life song away from us. And some morning we wake up and we realize, I haven't sung for many days. I haven't laughed. I haven't danced. Where did the joy go? And I think the psalmist found himself in that situation. He's been bogged down by the problems he faced, and he's apparently lost his life song. Now, as we look at this, this Psalm 40, I see three what I think are really compelling images at the beginning of this chapter. And I want to spend some time looking at these compelling images for just a little bit. The first image is kind of an ugly image. It's the image of the pit. Uh, if we look at verse 2, David writes, he says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, I mean, it's not just any pit, but it's a slimy pit and a pit full of mud and mire. And so he describes himself as being in a pit. It's watery, it's slimy. And in, verse, in Psalm 40, David is literally describing a really important time in his life um, when God delivered him and eventually restored his song. Now, we're not sure what this pit experience was for David. We can look at the low points in David's life and come up with several possibilities. It could have been when King Saul Saul, uh, drove David from the palace and began pursuing him in jealousy, wanting to take his life. David narrowly escaped on many occasions that situation. Perhaps it was one of those times. Uh, It could have been when David's own son, Absalom, tried to have him assassinated so that Absalom could become king. Maybe it was a time that was near his adultery with Bathsheba, Or the death of his illegitimate child by her? Uh, Could it have been when one of his sons violated his half-sister? There were a lot of dark days in David's life. It could have been any one of these pit experiences in his life. But whatever the pit may have been, it was uncomfortable. It was dark and wet. And it was impossible to get out without somebody else's help. You know, maybe you're in a pit like that this morning. In helplessness, desperation apparent hopelessness. The pit is the breaking point for an overworked businessman. The outer limits of exasperation for a mother of three small children who never stop crying. Uh, Maybe it's the impossible expectations of too many classes in school. It could be the grinding stress of a prolonged illness. Maybe it's the attack of an enemy that you think is pursuing you. Anything that causes us to have a sense of helplessness desperation, threatens to run or take our life away. That's a pit in this life. And the psalmist cries out to God in in urgency and sincerity while he he is in the pit. And, And God made a way of escape for him. So when we're in the pit, we should not hesitate to cry out to God. So we have this image of the pit. The second image that I think we see early on in this psalm is the rock. Look at verse 1 again. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. You know, when you're in a dark, slimy, muddy pit, there's no secure footing in that kind of a place. And if you can't stand up, you cannot escape. Furthermore, when you're in the mud, the more you squirm, the more you wrestle to get out. Oftentimes, the deeper you sink in mud, you're stuck. The psalmist is overwhelmed, some form or some fashion. And he's also then overwhelmed by the rescue that God provides for him. And he thinks of a rock when he thought of God's deliverance. He wouldn't have to sink anymore, right? He could firmly and freely move about. He's unrestricted because he's on a sure foundation again. And my encouragement for us if we're in a pit is that be assured that God will eventually bring you up out of any rut, out of any depression or difficulty that you're in. He's going to eventually give you a new firm foundation and a launching pad because he's the God of new beginnings. That's the God we worship is a God of new beginnings. He wants to establish your way as he provides you with a new energy to embark on greater projects to build his kingdom and to bring glory and honor to his name. David goes on and he writes, he says, he's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be astounded. They will put their trust in the Lord. Not only will the Lord deliver you, but he will bring others to himself as a result of your experience of deliverance. You know, many people, most people, in fact, are inspired when they see someone who's delivered from a significant time of trial. Uh, I I thought about recently, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I can't believe it's been 15 years, but 15 years ago, there were nine coal miners who became trapped in a mine in Pennsylvania. They uh, had been digging in an area that was next to the older part of the mine, and they accidentally broke through one of the walls into the old flooded part of the mine and all that water rushed in to where they were at. They tried to run out and escape, but they couldn't get out before the water rose too high. And they ultimately found out if they were going to have any place to, to get their head above water, they had to go back to where they broke through the wall originally. And there was ground there that they could actually get up high enough that their mouths and their noses and their eyes were above the water. It was a pretty desperate situation. And, um, You know, why they were in that situation, they tied themselves together. They wrote goodbye notes to their family and friends. And in a sense, they kind of waited for the inevitable to happen. But as they cried out to God, as they encouraged one another, good things started to happen. An air vent was eventually created to give them some fresh air. A drill team was brought in, and and it made finally a way of escape. And as a wonderful sense of humor began to buoy their spirits as they realized that maybe they would get out eventually. In fact, one of the guys cracked. He says, boy, imagine the overtime pay we're going to get for being in here for so long, for so many hours. They were eventually rescued. And it was news. It was world news. In fact, the rest of the nation celebrated when these guys were rescued out of the mine. And all the men gave credit to their rescuers, but they recognized that ultimately it was the grace of God that lifted them up out of their slimy pit. And I think about that story, and I think, you know, sometimes— The Lord allows us to be trapped with no way out to show others his power through our experience of delivery. He allowed Joseph, if we go back in the Old Testament, he allowed Joseph to be thrown into a pit like this that David describes by his brothers. He was betrayed by his brothers, eventually sold into slavery, and he lived a number of years as a slave and and ultimately even imprisoned in Egypt. And can you imagine, I mean, for most people, that would probably create a sense of bitterness. But David in his, or Joseph, in his wisdom and in his heart for God, he was able to work through that and wrestle through it. And eventually when his brothers came back to Egypt, and he ultimately was the guy in charge, he writes this about the situation and about his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, He said He wrote this about his brothers. He said, You meant to throw me in the pit for evil, but God turned it for good for the saving of many lives so if you find yourself in a difficult position, in a pit, so to speak, I want to encourage you to allow God to use your present discouraging experience for his greater purposes. And many times we don't understand what those greater purposes are. Do not think that you have, you're going to be delivered instantly. God, however, I would guess, is going to use you for his greater display of mighty power, and problem-solving capacities. Your pit and God's provision is a testimony. It will be eventually a testimony of God's saving power. So, you know, if we live life long enough, life eventually is going to bring pits, right? Slimy, watery, muddy, nasty pits. And the psalmist is encouraging us to wait patiently on the Lord and to trust that God is going to eventually put our feet on the rock on a firm foundation, because God is good. We also, in that circumstance, we gain new understanding and wisdom and maturity as a result of our pit experiences. Have you found that to be true? I have in my own life. I wish it was some other way. You know, I mean, really, I'd like to gain wisdom and maturity and experience by not having to go through the pits. But so often, those are some things that I can take away from some very difficult Circumstances. David goes on in verse six, and he writes, "Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am; I have come.' It is written about me in the scroll. I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my heart." See, previously David had performed religious rituals of offerings, animal sacrifices in the tabernacle for years and years. Now David realizes that these offerings are essentially meaningless unless they're done for the right reasons. And I think about our own context. Too many people uh, make going to church about a ritual or are doing their assignment or giving or serving or completing their tasks at work uh, becomes nothing more than a ritual that fulfills an obligation. Instead, we need to see that anything that's done ritualistically, selfishly, or out of a grudging sense of obligation is literally done. In vain. More than sacrifice and offerings and duty, God wants open ears and He wants a person who has a spirit who delights in doing His will. The Hebrew for this uh, phrase, open ear, means literally, ears that you have dug out for me. As if our ears are are jammed with gunk and wax, and and if only God can bore them out, then we can actually hear God. So, what fills our ears that we cannot hear God? And is doing the will of God a chore? Does it feel like a duty? Or is it a delight for us to do the will of God? You know, young lovers take great delight in doing even the smallest of things for their beloved. Imagine for us if we, in the same light, uh, were as eager and gleeful to do a favor for God. God wants us to serve him with gladness and to come into his presence with singing, knowing that the Lord is God and that he has given us the privilege of offering ourselves as living sacrifices of worship and gratitude and love to him. Make sure we give ourselves to God with an attitude of love and thankfulness and worshipful submission. I also think in this passage that that we can see that deliverance from trouble really impresses on us our responsibility to proclaim the goodness of God. That when God delivers us, we have a responsibility to proclaim about God's goodness and his faithfulness. In verses 9 and 10, David writes this. He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. David was not ashamed to tell people about the great things that God had done for him. But the thing that also impresses me, he was equally willing to share with others about his own failures, his own shortcomings, his own sin that often was the thing that resulted in him ending up in the pit. And he shared both of these things so that others could literally see just how awesome God is. You know, we all have a a, a from the pit to rock story that we could tell, or stories, literally, in our lives. You know, a story that includes our failures, but also the deep pit that we found ourselves in with no seemingly way out. And then God reaches in ultimately and pulls us out to stand on the righteousness, the rock of the righteousness of Christ, life and his sacrifice. And we need to tell our pit to rock stories more frequently we can do that. You know what? When we do that, we do that because it helps us to remember about God's goodness and his faithfulness. But also, when we do that, we encourage other people with God's redemptive power that went, went to work in our lives and that he will work in their lives as well. David's boldness to proclaim God's faithfulness and power, it reminds me of when Paul writes in Romans 1, 16, where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You know, you may not be aware of this, but there's actually a great opportunity coming up for our church to go deeper in mission. I'm sorry, further in mission, deeper in Christ. Can you believe the pastor didn't get those words right? (laughs) Further in Christ, deeper in mission. Deeper in Christ, further in mission. Okay. Further in mission. There's an opportunity. Here's the opportunity there's a great opportunity coming up. It, it's going to be August the 23rd at the Tony's Pizza Event Center. I got it right. How many of you struggle with that? So here's the deal. There's a group coming. They're called Real Encounter. They're professional extreme athletes. They're extreme. The, the things that they do, motocross, uh, they do um, bicycle tricks, they do skateboarding. And if you ever watch ESPN, the guys that do all the extreme sports, these guys who are coming, they're all ranked in the top 10, each in their own sport. So they're amazing athletes. But the other thing that's really great beyond it's going to be a great show is that these guys are all Christians. They all have a story to tell about how God has brought them out of the pit of life and he's put their feet on a solid rock of a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And here's the opportunity. We have a chance not only to go see the show and hear their testimony, but to invite family, friends, neighbors to go with us. To be able to hear these guys' testimony, they're kind of their pit to rock testimony. So I want to encourage you, get ready, August the 23rd. It's a Wednesday night uh, at the Tony's Pizza Event Center. And so there's that opportunity. We're going to share more about it the next couple of Sundays so you have a better idea about what that's all about. But I think it's a great opportunity to go deeper in Christ and further in mission. Now, so we've talked about a couple images here. First of all, the pit, right? We're down in the pit. God rescues us, puts our feet on the rock. And the third image is a new song. Look at verse 3. It says, He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Did you know you've been created to sing? We sing in the shower. We whistle while we work. We oftentimes pause to hear the birds sing their song in the trees. By, we, by nature, love to sing even when we sound terrible, okay? I know there's some of you don't like to sing at church because you don't like the sound of your voice, but we like to sing when we're by ourselves especially. And when we come to the Bible, we find that God, the God of creation and redemption is also the God of song. When the universe was brought into existence, when God created the universe, Job 38 says, The morning stars sang together, and all the children of God shouted for joy. Later in the Old Testament talks about when when God brought the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt and and allowed them to get out of slavery and out of bondage. Uh, It says in Exodus 15 that the Israelites sang the song of Moses. You know, one day if we go to Revelation, it talks about one day when the world is over and all of God's plan of redemption has reached its consummation. We're all gathered together before God. We're all going to sing the song of the Lamb so that we see that our singing is actually evidence of our life. No one understands this, I think, better than David, who wrote, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. You know, if we think about David's life as a boy when he tended sheep out in the pasture, uh, it talks about in Scripture that he would often play his, his harp while he was being a shepherd. And later in life, as David grew older, David played the harp so well that it literally quieted the weary and the tormented soul of King Saul and as David played his melodies on his harp in the royal palace. David knew song and music, but he had not yet experienced a new song. And when you're, you know, when you're experiencing a pit of life, uh, you may sing songs, but they tend not to be the new happy song. They tend to be the sad song, songs uh, about tragedy and misfortune, songs about sorrow and grief and anger and, and bitterness. But when you get out of the pit and you feel like dancing and singing, that's the song that, that, that the psalmist is talking about, a new song. It's the song that the rescued can sing, and it praises the living God. In fact, you're so happy to be out of the pit, and uh, standing on the rock and singing a new song, that your rescue story becomes a great witness to others who are still in the pit. Many will see. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. So if you find yourself in that situation, you know, somewhat desperate, difficult circumstances, and you feel like you've been singing sad songs for too long, you know, I would encourage you, as God lifts you out of that desperation in that pit, puts your feet on the rock, sing that new song. Sing that new song for God. So what do you have to do in order to sing the, the new song that's talked about here? Well, I would encourage you to do just what David did. First of all, admit you're in the pit, okay? You can't be rescued unless you recognize you see yourself as stuck. I think there are many people who live in the pit of moral darkness and discomfort who do not realize how much light and freedom and hope exist on the outside of the pit. Please accept the testimony of others. It's wonderful on the outside. Jesus died on the cross to make this rescue possible in our lives, in our world. The song is beautiful on the outside. Salvation and song are inseparable because the joy of the Lord generates music in the soul. So if you're in that situation, I encourage you to cry out to him today. Tell him, God, I'm, I'm in the pit. Maybe you're a believer, but circumstances or sin or whatever has brought you back into a pit situation. I'd encourage you as well, tell him, God, I'm in the pit. So the second thing, though, is ask for his help to get out of the pit. You know, my experience is too often I hear people talking about being in the pit, but they they haven't asked God for help to get out of the pit. God wants to deliver you from the pit of personal sin or grief or a lost dream or a broken family and give you a new song. Don't just admit that you're in the pit. Ask God to help you out of it. God, lift me out of the pit. And the third thing is is that uh, wait on God to rescue you. The first reaction when we get into the pit may be to try harder, to get ourselves out, but that may just be tiring us out and frustrating us more as we try harder and we just can't seem to get out of whatever that pit is. The new pattern of life calls us to wait patiently. But the funny thing is that most of us, when we call out to God for help, we don't want to wait long enough for God to actually act. After a short while, we start doing things on our own. And again, instead of continuing to ask God, uh, to, to rescue us and to wait for him to act. David, we're told again, waited patiently for God to act. And God in his time acted. He lifted David out of the, rock, out of the pit, put his feet on the rock. And so I would just encourage you, tell God, God, I'll wait right here in the pit until you rescue me. So my question in closing this morning is, is what's your pit this morning? Do you have a pit that you can identify I'm hoping that not everybody actually has a pit in their life right now. There are times I think that we are in a pit, but there are many times we're not. But if you're in a pit, I want to encourage you right now just to actually write down what came to your mind on the front of your worship guide. I'm going to give you some ideas for things that you can reflect on and respond to as you go through the day today. So if you've got a pen and your worship guide, just write that thing down there on the front. You don't have to show anybody what you're writing down. But here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually then spend some time today praying kind of those three things I just got done talking about. First thing is to pray to God to admit that you're in the pit. The second thing is to pray to God to ask him to help for his help to get out of the pit. And the third thing is to ask him to give you the appropriate patience to wait on him until his timing to rescue you. So I would encourage you, go to the Lord in prayer today and ask him uh, for help in those ways. The other thing I would say is if you didn't have anything that you're like, I'm not in a pit right now, I don't have any pit experiences, then here's what I would tell you to do to respond. Praise God. Okay, praise God that you're not having a pit experience right now. The other thing I would tell you is, why don't you take some time and reflect on an experience when you were in the pit and how did God bring you out of that pit? How did God show his goodness and his faithfulness to you to rescue you in that situation? The second thing for those of you who aren't in a pit is I would tell you is look around you. Who in your life is struggling in the midst of a pit experience? My, my th- thing is I believe that most of us know somebody who's struggling in some way. And so if you know somebody who's struggling, I would encourage you this is the time for you to really be a friend to them. They need a friend. Uh, they oftentimes, people who are in the pit, they would like to isolate, but isolation is not helping them. So often they need people to reach out to them and to offer them love and encouragement. The other thing is, is if that, you find that yourself in that situation, prayerfully ask God to give you a time that you might be able to share your own pit-to-rock experience in a way that would encourage them. Not in a way like to belittle what they're going through, but in a way to offer them, hey, I had a rough experience like yours. Here's how I waited patiently on the Lord and here's how he ultimately rescued me. And that you can share with them confidence that you believe that God can do the same thing for them. So no matter where we're at, where we find yourself currently, my encouragement as I close the message this morning is, one is to cry out to God. Cry out to God, especially if you're in the pit celebrate when God puts your feet on a firm foundation and he's got your feet on the solid rock of Christ and you're in a good place, and then don't hesitate to sing a new song. Sing the new song that God has given you to sing about his faithfulness, his goodness, his deliverance uh, for you personally. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that comes to us from David. Who, God, I'm so grateful for David who was honest about his own life, his own difficulties, his own sin failure, but also then was honest about how you provided for him, how you rescued him, how you took him out of a place in a deep, dark pit, and you brought his life to a firm rock in your presence, and that you gave David a new song. And, God, we're thankful that you do the same thing in our lives, God, that you've brought us at times out of a pit and you give us the opportunity to put our feet on the rock of Christ and on your presence. And, God, that you give us all a new song to sing. Lord, wherever we're at right now, God, if we're in the, in the pit, help us to wait patiently for your rescue, to look expectantly but wait patiently. If we're on the rock, God, help us to celebrate your goodness and faithfulness in a way that can point other people to your saving power. God, help us uh, wherever we're at in life's journey. And God, again, we're grateful for your love for us and that you rescued us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we have the opportunity uh, at the end of the service to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to uh, meet with him at his table. And I think what a beautiful place to come after we looked at Psalm forty. And we've thought about how God brings us out of the pit. He puts us on a rock. He gives us a new song to sing. Because ultimately this table is all about us remembering and celebrating uh, God's redemption, God's rescuing power in our lives. Because the story is, is that when God looked down from his place in eternity and he saw what was happening on earth, he saw a big ugly pit of messiness, a pit of human sinfulness, a pit that ultimately led to death, And not only did God just reach down and lift us up out of the pit. No, God looked at that circumstance and God decided, hey, the way I'm going to rescue is I'm going to take on their skin. I'm going to come down and live in the pit with them so that I might be able to rescue them, lift them out of this pit and provide them an opportunity to stand on the rock of my saving power. And that's what Christ did for us. Christ took on our flesh, lived a perfect life that we could not live took on himself all of our sin, took it to the cross, ultimately paid the penalty of death on the cross, and God in his saving power raised Christ from the dead and promises us that we too can have eternal life in and through Christ. That is what we celebrate at the Lord's table. And so we sing a new song today. It's not necessarily a new song, but it reminds us again of God's goodness to us. So we remember the words that Paul passed on to us about Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup also, saying, This cup represents a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to... Uh, as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns again.